Yes, yes. Omega Watts in the house. Now let me set the table. Now, now, now let me set the table. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you could make it. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you could make it. Any questions I ask myself. What is up, table fam? <laughs> My name is Joshua, and I serve on the communications team here at First Orlando. Now, I need you to know something. Last time I was in this room, it's about to be a year. Something happened in this room. And I think we got a picture of what happened in this room. Yes. So, uh, moving along, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to Proverbs 27 12. That's what we're going to be in today. Um, and as you turn it out, it's going to set us up to a little story, and then we're going to open God's word, and then we'll make application based off of what we read. Is that okay? Is that okay? All right, that's what I'd like to hear. So, shout out to Brick for the phenomenal introduction, too, by the way. Um, my two other favorite musicals, she threw me off because I was still in rap mode, so when she said two others, I was like, baby, Tupac? But no, like, no, musicals. So, Lion King, Phantom of the Opera. Yes. So, um, to kind of set us up, today we are going to be talking about unnecessary suffering, right? I believe there's two types of suffering in this world. Uh, first type of suffering, we have no control over, right? It's going to happen, things happen, accidents happen, sickness happens, and it's like we don't have any type of control over those things. But I believe there's a second type of suffering, and I think that suffering, we sometimes hop into. Right? I think, um, I think we often hop into that separate type of suffering, which is very unnecessary. Like me, back in 1999, I want to take you back. Some of y'all wasn't even born. Let's be honest. I'm that guy now. Let's throw the picture up. Take you back. Look at that guy. Had holes early. Back in 1999. So, um, I was in third grade, and uh, I remember I'm getting ready to go to school, so I'm going to bed. I went to bed. I had a dream that night. We had a dream. I had a dream. And I had a dream that this one girl that was in my class, named Vanessa, this one girl in my class, essentially, uh, she had kissed me on the cheek. Now, remember, I was in third grade, okay? And after she kissed me on the cheek, uh, I remember like these little cartoon hearts just floating around. This was my dream, okay? This is my dream. And I'm just like, okay. I wake up in the morning, I'm like, okay, that was weird, but okay, whatever. I go to school, and somebody comes up to me and like, Josh, 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 Nessa likes you. I'm just like, what? Like, that was so, I just had a dream last night, and now you're telling me this today, which was super weird. Sidebar. I saw my wife, I mean, what she looked like in third grade, and she looked way better, just so y'all know. Just in case y'all was wondering. But anyway, so, um, uh, so, yes, Nessa likes you, Nessa likes you. I'm just like, okay, long story short, I'd be lying to you if I told you I remember exactly how it happened because it was so long ago. Um, but at the end of the day, I had a girlfriend, right? My first girlfriend in the third grade, right? 
And I remember she wrote down her phone number. This is before phones. Like, I feel so dated. This is before, like, cell phones and things like that. Ain't no Facebook, but like, she wrote down her phone number on this piece of paper. And it was in colored pencil, but it was like the colored pencil that had, like, three colors in it, right? It wasn't just like, like it was fancy, fancy. And I was excited. I got the number. I went home. I showed my mom. My mom was pretty indifferent. Like, she didn't really say anything. And then my dad comes home and she tells my dad. And my dad basically calls me in the room and he's just like, what do you mean you have a girlfriend? <laughs> I don't send you to school for that. I'm just like, bro, like, got it, right? But at the end of the day, we had dinner and then I remember um, this black trash bag, never forget, this black trash bag, he empty out the trash and he's just like, throw her phone number away. I'm upset at this point. I'm hurt, right? So I had two choices at that point. I could either break up with her or I could keep going. So as we continued our relationship, <laughs> it was about two to three days later, um, she essentially, uh, I get to school, that, like, I think it's like on the third day, I get to school with somebody, it's like, Josh, Josh, Nessa wants to break up with you. Now imagine being in third grade dealing with the emotions of relationship. Right? I'm just like, I don't know what this is, but I don't like this. Right? I don't like any of this. I don't know what it is. And I remember I wasn't necessarily hurt. I think I was a little bit hurt, but I think I was more so embarrassed that somebody had the power to, to actually make me feel how I felt. So I remember um, I'm in the cafeteria at this point, and I feel like everybody wanted me to be upset, so I was just like, okay, I'll be upset. So I'm in the cafeteria, and like I have my head down like this. But I remember this. I remember what I told myself. I said, never again will I feel this feeling. This is third grade. I mean, I'm like, never again will I feel this feeling? I was like, this is so unnecessary, right? And it's just like, I just remember exactly how I felt in that moment. And from that day forward, I feel like I was trying to figure out one thing. And it was basically, how do I limit the suffering in my life? Right? How do I limit the suffering in my life? Or in layman's terms, I gotta do better. That's not happening to me again. I got to do better. I wonder if any of you guys ever said that to yourselves. I gotta do better, right? You look at the account at the end of the week, you thought you was budgeted. And then you look at the check-ins, and then you check the savings just in case. But then you look back at the check-ins, and you're just like, man, I got to do better. Right? Or maybe you started talking to you-know-who and got into you-know-what. <laughs> and you wake up, and you look yourself in the mirror, and you're just like, Right? Or maybe, 
you're looking at your account, and your account says, you've got enough money for about the next three meals. You look at the account, you look at yourself, you look at the account, you look at yourself, you look at the account. It's a Disney day, I guess it's a Disney day. Three meals that are public Disney, right? I got to do better. So, we are in a series that we're calling the best advice we never got. I never got, the best advice I never got, right? And I feel like David, Dan's been doing a great job of setting us up, and uh, essentially we're in the series because we want to tell you the best advice. Finish my sentence. Thank you. I like this proud response. This is what I like. I like to go back and forth. Perfect. I, uh, the best advice that we never got. Okay? So, before we get started, I want you to know two things. Right? And the first thing I want you to know is this. At the center of this message is a simple principle. And I'm going to give that to you later. Right? It's a simple principle. But I want to break down what a principle is not. Right? So a principle is not a rule that you follow, right? A principle is not a rule that you follow, and also a principle is not something that you, uh, something that you choose to apply, right? So principles are not invented, they're discovered, okay? They were true before you knew about it, and they're going to be true after you know about it. Like so many sidekicks. But that's besides the point. What else to me? I'm sorry, y'all. I'm, I'm sorry. But, but yeah, so the, and the second thing I want you to know is this, in, in all seriousness, the second thing I want you to know is this to kind of set you up. Um, Andy Stanley says this you are unique, your story is not, and your path is not. Okay? So when I talk about there's a type of suffering that happens to us, and there's this type of suffering that we opt into. Um, what I'm essentially saying is, this, yes, I give it to you. You are unique. But there are things that happen, that seem to happen, that are triggered by a certain choice. Right? So you are unique. Your story is not. Your path is not. And your destination is not. Are y'all with me? Okay. Cool. Um, now, the principle that we're going to be looking at is found in Proverbs, right? So if you don't know anything about Proverbs, I'm going to give you a little context for that. Solomon wrote Proverbs, and Solomon is basically David's son, right? And who's David? David, uh, King David, the one that was after God's own heart, right? That's Solomon. Um, and essentially, um, he wrote Proverbs so that, basically he says this in Proverbs 1, you don't have to turn down to read it for you, so that you would understand insightful teaching and receive wise guidance to live a disciplined life. Right? These Proverbs teach you naive how to become clever and live with discretion. Okay? So, Solomon, in this verse that we're about to read, uh, Solomon basically sets up two characters. He sets up, sets up a prudent person and he sets up a simple person. Okay, so what is a, who is a prudent person? What is a prudent person? So a prudent person is essentially somebody that's just super cautious, right? Not even super cautious, they're just cautious, right? They're able to think ahead, they're able to see the dangers. They're able to say, eh, if I do this, this might happen, if that might happen, and if I do that, that might happen. They're able to kind of count the cost, 
right? A prudent person has good and careful judgment and handling practical matters. So you can think of this as a Boy Scout or a Girl Scout, right? Their whole model is be prepared. You can't get no plenty of that. All right? So um, that is a prudent person. So we're going to talk about now what a simple person is. So a simple person he describes as somebody that's naive or somebody that lacks experience, right? So, and I want to make this clear, he's not talking necessarily about a foolish person, right? So he's not saying that you're necessarily foolish, he's just saying, listen, you're naive, you don't know, you don't have experience, you lack experience, which is why you tend to navigate and find yourself in certain circumstances. Sometimes that naiveness may lead you to do foolish things, but you're not, you don't necessarily start out as foolish. All right, think about this as anybody, an older brother or older sister in here? Okay, your older brother, or your younger brother or your younger sister ever try to do something? <laughs> your older brother, they ever try to do something and you're just like, mm, no, like I can show you how to do that and you did that wrong, like, like, but they're just like, oh yeah, like they think they're slick and they're getting away with something and you're just like, man, I, I did that like four years ago. Like that's not even how you do it. Like, you understand what I'm saying? That's, that's kind of the simple person, right? That kind of gives you a picture for the simple person. But let's read the verse. Let's start to read the verse and see what he says. So he says, the prudent sees danger and hides himself. Now, that sounds pretty self-explanatory. The prudent sees danger and hides himself. So when you read this at first, it, it, it's, it makes basic sense. I see it. I go away from it. But after reading it a few times, my brain asked the question of this. Um, if he can see the danger, and he's prudent, so which means he has some type of wisdom, why wouldn't he just assess a plan and go around it? Why hide from something that you can just navigate and go around, right? Some of you know what this is like, right? That girl or that guy texts you to come over. Nobody wants to look left or right right now. <laughs> it's it's okay. It's okay. But that guy or that girl texts you to come over. It's 8.45. You live 30 minutes away. Not going to get there until 9.29.30. What good is going to come of that? But here's what you tell yourself. Here's what you tell yourself. Nah, if I text my friend and tell him, hey, at 10, text me a cold word, and cold word go, and then I'll be out, and I'll make sure that I leave the cold word go, right? And then you get there, you put them on a vibrate. <laughs> right? So that's kind of, that's kind of what, uh, that's kind of what the, uh, the prudent, I was, I was kind of wondering why the prudent person doesn't just create a plan. So first thing I want you to write down is this. A prudent person doesn't try to manage the consequences or outcomes of a dangerous situation. Okay? A prudent person does not try to manage the consequences or outcomes of a dangerous situation. In other words, has anybody ever watched Home Alone? Yes, you haven't watched Home Alone. Kevin McCallister, home by himself, right? Bad guys, see who he is, figure out that, that he's there. Find like chasing him, he's running away. Uh, he runs in his house, and then he gets to this point, closes the door. <sighs> Reba Hemley said, this is my house. I've got to protect it. That's not prudent, my fellow. That's not prudent. That's not prudent. 
That, that's not prudent. Call yourself an Uber. You need to get out of there, right? That's before Uber. And I know the phone lines are down. It's for periodic movies. I know. I know. Okay. Um, but yeah, so a prudent person doesn't try to manage the consequences or outcomes of a dangerous situation. Now let's let's talk about the word hide for a second. Because I feel like the word hide tends to be a negative thing sometimes, right? Uh, Adam, after he sinned uh, against God, he hid, right? We all we, we seem to always associate hiding. Sometimes we, we associate hiding as a negative thing, right? But that's not what they're talking about here. So the psalmist talks about uh, in Psalms 32. You don't have to turn there, but Psalms 32 he talks about you are a hiding place for me. So God is a hiding place for him, right? So hiding could be a positive thing. So we see the contrast between Adam and the psalmist, right? Adam hiding after he sinned. The psalmist hiding before he sees the danger. Here's the second thing that I want you to write down. When you hide yourself before experiencing danger, you feel safe. When you hide yourself after experiencing danger, you feel shame. Experienced shame because he experienced danger and chose to hide himself. The psalmist experienced safety because he saw danger and hid himself. So I want you to ask, I want you to ask yourself this question: Are you hiding from Jesus or in Jesus? Now, reread this next part with me. It gets good, guys. It gets good. So, <laughs> the prudent sees danger and hides himself, but, but, if I say but, the simple go on and suffer for it. In other words, you cannot hide from what you don't see coming. You cannot hide from what you don't see coming. Remember, a prudent person is someone that kind of thinks ahead, is always thinking ahead, heads on a swivel, always kind of thinking ahead, okay, I see this, I may have to adjust here, and then they adjust themselves, they don't just think about it, they actually do it, and a simple person is one that's just like, yeah, you know what, like, they either lack the experience and have no idea, or just like, yeah, you know what, but, but I can, I'll maneuver it, but I, I'll make my way around, yeah, but that doesn't always, that don't always happen, right? So, um, now, why, the question that I had to ask myself is like, why does the simple person go on, right? And the simple person, essentially, like I was saying, is the person doesn't see the danger, or they just don't respect the danger, right? They don't see the danger, or they don't expect the danger. So now, this actually explains why some of you argue so much with your parents. Let me bring it up. When I was in sixth grade, my mom used to tell me, um, I used to walk to school. I'm in sixth grade, I used to walk to school about a mile and a half. And my mom used to tell me, I get home at, my mom gets home at three. I need to make sure, you need to make sure you're in the house before me. I got out of school at two. It took me about 15 to 30 minutes to walk home. Took about 30 minutes to walk home. Um, I would get home before 35. <laughs> I'm in sixth grade, I would just get home before 35. I just wanted to walk around with my friends and just whatever, I just wanted to walk home. So, my mom, what my mom was seeing, right, was every minute that I was out of the house was an opportunity for danger. 
what I was seeing was everything that I was out of the house was an opportunity for fun. Right? I'm not thinking, oh, I'm, six, I'm, I'm only in sixth grade. Now I look back at it and I laugh. Like, I'm just like, yo, like this little confident little guy. I wasn't always tall. Like, just walking, like, walking my book bag, like, I own the place. Like, it's just, it's crazy. But, but that's the contrast, right, between a person that sees the danger and a person that doesn't see the danger. You could be looking at the same thing, right? You could be looking at the same exact thing. So, now, this next part of the verse is what intrigues me the most and gets me actually excited the most. Because for people that actually think like me, um, your mind will probably be asking this question, right? So, I understand, Josh, I hear you. The prudent person sees danger, hides himself. Got it. The simple person goes on and suffers for it. Got it. But, the simple person goes on. How long does a simple person go on before they have to suffer for it? Right? Some of us think, well, maybe we can handle the suffering if the going on is long enough. Right? Oh, yeah, I just don't want to tell you. Okay. But some of, us, some of us feel like that. Some of us feel like, hey, like, I can handle the consequence. If I get to go on, then I'll go ahead and navigate. I'm, I'm like, great. And it's great. So, uh, here's the question I think that we need to ask. We ask the question of how long does a simple person go on before suffering. Here's what I actually want you to write down. It's possible to be living in the wrong direction and to be having the time of your life. It's possible to be living in the wrong direction and be having the time of your life. And Jesus, Jesus gives us a hint about this, right? He gives us a hint about how long the simple person goes on before they actually suffer for it, right? I want to bring you over to Matthew 7, right? And, and it's going to be up here, so you don't have to turn there. But um, as we kind of read Matthew 7, I just want you to observe this verse and allow it to kind of give commentary to what we just read, okay? So it says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, uh, and puts them into practice is like a wise man, right? So basically he's saying this, the person that hears and does the will of God is a wise person, right? Now remember what we read back in Proverbs. In Proverbs says the person that sees and hides himself is a prudent person, right? Prudent and wisdom kind of go hand in hand. You can go back up. Yep, you can go back up. Keep going. I'll talk to the slide. I'm going to back and do the great job. Keep going. All the way to the top on this slide right here. Okay? Perfect. Yep. So, um, hearing is not enough. Right? To just hear the word of God, that's not enough. Seeing is not enough. But doing both is what makes you either wise or makes you prudent. But just because you're able to see danger, oh yeah, no, I know that can happen. I know it can happen. So once I know, now I can do. No, 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 no. It's like you see to hide. You don't see to assess, to go and find a creative plan and kind of go around, right? And then it says, uh, let's keep reading. It says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built. Do we have any builders in the room? Yes, builder in the back. So we know that um, in order to build something, it takes time. It takes planning, it takes thought, it takes foresight, 
I'm gonna put this here because I know this reacts like this here. These conditions aren't good here, so I'm gonna go and I'm gonna put this here, right? So this is what he's talking about. The text continues, it says, um, it's like a wise man who built his house on the rock, right? So this is very similar, <laughs> this is very similar to the other verse. The principle that Jesus is talking about is the principle that we find in Proverbs, right? So if this verse were to be rewritten, um, it can essentially say something like this. Therefore, anyone who sees danger and hides himself from it is like a wise man who built his blank on the rock, right? We can substitute house for relationship. We can substitute house for finances. We can substitute house for career, right? Everyone, who's, everyone who sees danger and hides himself from it is like a wise man who built his finance, relationship, friendships on the rock. Now on the rock, what does he mean by on the rock, right? Um, this isn't as relevant to us, especially if we're not builders, right? But when building something, um, first off, when he said on the rock in the context in which he was at, everybody understood what he was talking about. They're just like, oh, yes, yes, we get it. Because when you're building a house and you're trying to build a foundation, the deeper you build, the, the, uh, the more sturdy it becomes, right? And uh, so when he talks about building, on the, uh, on the rock, essentially what he's saying is, this person is taking the hard way. He's taking the laborious way. He is taking the, not the easy way. This man is, like, he is not taking the easy way. So, in context of us, building on the rock um, is saying, basically, is basically in our context in this world, uh, if I can use an analogy, building on the rock is like saying, I'm going to give everything I got even though nobody's watching. I'm still going to do my best, right? I'm still going to give everything that I have, right? Building on the rock is being able to say, listen, I messed up and I lied on that application to get hired because I don't really live by here and I know y'all probably wouldn't hire me if I didn't live by here. But I just want to let you know that. And I'm not talking about nobody else but me. That was me. I've done that. Right? Building on the rock is doing the hard thing. I'm not finished. Look what he says. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And at this moment, everybody in the crowd is just like, ugh. Why do they do that? This is like your friend that has that significant other, and uh, that significant other isn't changing or making progress, and your friend comes to you and is just like, listen, I think I'm going to give him another shot. You're just like, oh! <laughs> this is, it's, when he said that he built on sand, everybody knew what that meant. It's like, oh, come on. Like, what are you doing? Right? That's exactly what it was, because building on sand was the easy thing to do, right? Building on sand was the quick and easy thing to do. It was the easy way, right? Building on sand is like lying about your pay package when you're about to get into a new job and saying, well, yes, they paid me this so that you could get a little bit more, right? Building on sand is like it's buying that vacation on a credit card where you know you're behind. You know you're behind. Credit card away. You know it. 
You're building on sand. Building on sand is like, it's like going to the grocery store and you searching for fruits and vegetables and you say, well, listen, I know I'm looking for these fruits and vegetables, but I'm just gonna run down the ice cream and see if it's gonna sell. I'm not gonna get nothing though. I'm not gonna get it though. I just want to see. I just want to see. That's building on sand. You setting yourself up for failure. But I'm gonna pause here real quick. I just want you to know that like, if you've ever felt like, man, I'm doing the right, I feel like I'm doing the right thing, and they're taking shortcuts, and they're winning. Yes, they are. They're building on sand. It's quicker. It's easier. But let's keep reading and see what happens. So here's what I imagine. I imagine by the time this dude was, by the time he was halfway through the house, uh, I, I think by the time, uh, by the time my man was buying furniture, the one I was building on saying, by the time he was buying furniture, fur furnishing the house halfway through, I think my man over here just finished the foundation. So it looked like nothing was happening for my man. And this person's just out here just living it up, right? Just living it up. But the story continues. Jesus says, the rain came, the streams rose, and the winds blew, and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Now, what did he mean by that? The winds came, the rain blew, right? But I want you to catch this. The storm came to the person that built the foundation the right way and to the person that built the foundation the wrong way. It didn't pick or choose. The storm came to both, right? So I want you to write this down. Hiding yourself from danger does not stop the storm from coming. Right? Here's essentially what Jesus was saying. How long do the simple go on until they suffer? They go on until the storm comes. Right? They go on until the storm comes. And when the storm comes, essentially it says that the, 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 the guy that built his foundation on the rock, his house looked tall. And the person that built the foundation on the sand, their house came to ruin. It crashed quickly. Suddenly, a great crash. So my man, even though he had to go through suffering, he was just solving problems. This person had to rebuild. So, here's the principle that I'd like to share with you today. And I think this is going to sound pretty common because we've heard this so much and we think we understand what it means, but I'm telling you that one thing that I've learned in my life is that I'm only beginning to understand what this means. Right? And the principle that I'd like to share with you today is that today's choices affect tomorrow's experiences. Always. Today's choices affect tomorrow's experiences. Always. But maybe I can defer and try always. You can try your best to get away from it, but today's choices will affect 
tomorrow's experience. This is true financially. You'll start with an issue where it's just like, hey, I need a car, this is my car's about to die, and such and such, and we're, as young adults, I get it, I do the same. We think so much in the moment that we don't even consider the future. And we're just like, man, I just need to fix it, I need to fix it now, I need to fix it now, and we go into a dealership, right? By the way, I worked at a dealership for five years, so I know this. So we go into a dealership, we're just like, we want the car. Okay, I'm looking at the finances. Okay, hey, it doesn't look like you make it up. No, I'm gonna pick up an extra job, and I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this to make it happen. Today's choices will affect tomorrow's experiences, right? And this is also true physically, right? Physically with our bodies, right? You go home, you're tired, you're sluggish, you don't really want to take care of things. Like, another day, I go to the gym, but ah, maybe I won't go to the gym. You know what, I just take off today. It's fine, you can take off, take off. But just know, today's choices affects tomorrow's experiences, right? This is true relationally, right? When you want to be in a relationship, and sometimes it just feels like, man, it's just so lonely, or it's just like, I'm, I'm bored. Honestly, I'm just, I'm bored. Right? And those are real issues and there's nothing wrong with that. But instead of dealing with those issues, we choose to create a 6'1", tall, dark, handsome problem named Jerome. <laughs> right? Or five six brown-eyed girl named Susie. <laughs> and we try to deal and cope. That's fine. You can do it. Just know that today's choices will affect tomorrow's experiences. And I know there's some of us in a room where it's just like, where we, we, may be feel, we may be under the weight of feeling shame, for feeling like, man, I feel like I always do the wrong things, or I'm always messing up. I'm always messing up. I want to say that there's hope for you because of Jesus. Right? Jesus says that he, when we put our trust in him and we follow him, he will finish the good work that he started. Right? So there's hope. I want you to know there's hope and there is grace. You have not gone too far. Okay? So I just want you to remember this. You are unique. Your story is not. Your path is not. And your destination is not. Now, you may be asking, well, how do I start making, I hear what you're saying, Josh, but like, how do I practically start making better choices? Like, how do I, how do, I do it? How do I do it? And I think you're going to have to think through these three things. It's about how you think, then you're going to have to decide, and then you're going to have to act. So we're going to talk about these quick things, and I'm going to get out of y'all. Okay. okay. So... Um, when it comes to thinking, the problem says that the reason why the problems were given is to make us wiser, right? The reason why was to take the simple and the naive and essentially help to make them wise. So what, what do you think I'm going to tell you to do? Read the problems, right? And I'm not just telling you to do something. I experienced this in my own life. I remember when I first, I felt like I first truly got saved when I was about 18 and I graduated high school. I grew up in church my whole life, but um, I remember at that point, one of the first things, uh, I was immersed in community and things like that, but I remember what changed and what was pivotal for me was like being able just to read the Proverbs and pick a Proverb a day and just kind of going through it. 
right? And that was so helpful for me, praying for wisdom, praying for insight. That's what the Proverbs tell you to do. And I tell you, I kid you not, to this day, like, I'll just be walking and doing something, and the Proverbs is always just like, my son, do not, my son, do not. And in my mind, that's what it's doing. My son, all right, okay, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to do that. that like, how you think what you're putting in there is going to help how you think and respond as a prudent person. Number two, we're going to have to decide, right? We need to decide what you need to guard yourself from. Now, what I'm about to, uh, what I'm about to say is purely descriptive and not prescriptive. I'm just telling you what I had to do because of my life. See, I've been through some things, and I've navigated some things, so there are certain safeguards I put up in my life just because, and I don't necessarily talk about them, right? So it's just like, I remember, uh, uh, I remember getting teased, because I, I did Christian hip-hop for about 10 years, so I remember getting teased because people used to be like, well, Josh, why don't you follow nobody? Oh, you're so Hollywood. I didn't have a ton of followers or anything like that, but it's, oh, you're so Hollywood. You're so Hollywood. You don't want to follow anybody. Truthfully, why I didn't follow anybody? Because I'm competitive. I'm super duper competitive. And I do not like, when I start to see other people making progress and I'm not, that puts me in a bad place. I'm just being honest. It put me in a bad place. So I'm just like, I'm not even gonna subject myself to seeing that. And then, just to top it off, to be honest, you have, uh, I love all my ladies, um, but then it's just like you're bombarded by pictures and pictures and pictures and pictures. And I'm just like, bro, I don't know how y'all do it, but I'm just gonna stay over here. I'm just gonna stay over here. And I don't even follow it, and it still comes on my feet, right? So it's just like, I, uh, you have to start deciding, okay, uh, again, because this isn't a, this is a principle. This is gonna be true whether you want to apply it or you don't want to apply it. Right, so this isn't a matter of, and this is where the tricky part is, this isn't a matter of sin or not, right? I'm not saying you can't follow anybody on Instagram, that's not what I'm saying, it's not a matter of sin, and this is why it talks about being wise, because wisdom helps you navigate that fine gray line between what it is to do and what not to do, right? Or maybe just like, uh, I think another thing for me would just be like, um, I don't necessarily, I don't, I used to back in the day, I do not drink. I don't drink because again, I know who I used to, who I was. I know why I used to do it. I no longer have those motivations. So I do not, I just don't put myself in that position. I'm not saying that you can't handle, I, I'm not, I am not prescribing anything to you. I'm merely trying to be descriptive and tell you that you have to know yourself and you have to know um, the positions that you put yourself in. Because some of the stuff is, whether it's, whether it's that, whether it's other things, these are things where it's just like, we walk down paths and we open doors. I'm just gonna leave it there. Number three, um, acting. You have to do. So the biggest thing that I got out of this, even while reading it, I was super convicted, was um, a prudent person is not one that just sees the danger, but does something. High, actively hides himself, right? In the same way uh, when Jesus was talking, he said that the person that hears his word and does what he says is the person uh, that is actually following the will of God. So the doing part, and the doing part is so hard, right? Because sometimes I'm, I'm being uh, prudent doesn't necessarily give you the advantage. I'm be honest with you. I'm be completely honest with you. 
is going to be something for some of y'all to pick up. Most of y'all probably will not pick it up. That's okay. But I just know the impacts of it, right? So sometimes you're going to have the courage. You're going to have to have the courage to stand alone and be like, "Nah, this is just me. This is me. This, this is what I got to do." You know, respect it. I, it's it's going to be what it is. Like it's just me. I many times walk into some circumstances where it's just like, "Hey, want to do this? Want to do that?" I'm like, "No." They look at me weird. I can tell they're talking behind my back. And then that's okay. That's okay. I know where I don't want to go. I'm okay with that. So we have to think how we think. We have to make a decision what we need to guard ourselves from. And then we need to act. We need to surround ourselves with people who are like minded that are able to support us from the pressures that we get. We understand that? Do we understand that I've got? Thank you. Okay, so uh, I'm gonna close with the story. And um, essentially, I'll take you back to 1999. Third grade. The, the minute I had my hand down on the thing, I said, I will never, ever let this happen to me again. To give y'all some context, I am an avid Kobe fan, Mamba mentality. Probably had since third grade. I was I was determined never to let that happen to me again. So I went on in life for the next I'm eight years old at that point, 20 years almost of my life. Emotionally detached from people. Do not care. I am going to hurt you first so that you do not hurt me. I learned it. I'm not feeling that again. Not me. I will not feel that again. So this is me going through life, looking like I'm winning, right? Talking to these girls, doing this, looking like I'm winning, although I cannot even emotionally connect with anybody.
But I want to give us an opportunity to do that. So in the pews, we have a piece of paper where you can write down the same way I wrote down my third grade girlfriend phone number. And then in the back, there's your trash can. The same way my father presented me with a trash can, I think your father's presenting you with a trash can. And it's your choice. I'm not telling you to go for it. I'm not telling you to throw it out. You can hold on to it. It's your choice. It's your choice. Because today's choices, just remember this, today's choices will affect tomorrow's experiences. Let's pray. Jesus, I think it's who you are. I think for this timely word for this, for this specific group of people, Lord, I don't think that is by accident. Lord, I pray that you just move in their hearts, move in the hearts of everybody here. I pray that you might just reveal to them whatever it is that you want them to know, Lord. I don't know. I have no idea. But I pray that you show them something. And if there's nothing great, but I pray that they just always remember this simple thing. And as they continue to, to deeply understand it they, it, they allow it to permeate their actual decisions. And that today's choices will affect tomorrow's experiences.